0: seated. Strangely enough, as a priest of the church, I'm not very good at tuning into sermons that are preached when I'm out there in the pews like you are this morning. Sometimes something captures my imagination and my heart and I take it away and it stays within me, but most times not so. I think back to an experience I had back in the Diocese of Newark during Holy Week. There, as is the church's tradition for centuries, all the clergy of the diocese were asked to come together in the cathedral in Newark for what was called a Chrism Mass during Holy Week. It's one additional commitment to make in an already busy week of activity But the clergy were all encouraged to come and gather together to both renew their ordination vows and remember who it is that they were called to be, but also to receive chrism, freshly blessed chrism that was to be used in Easter baptisms. On one such occasion, one of our own ranks was asked to preach at that service, and she did something that stuck with me and remains with me to this day. Janet, the priest in question, was allowed to modify, you might say, their rather traditional-looking pulpit. On top of the pulpit was a platform, and a chair, and a potter's wheel. And it was there that she sat after she mounted the pulpit. And while she had a discussion with this, you might call it, She sat there working a lump of clay on the potter's wheel. And throughout her talk, and I have to admit to you, to this day, I do not remember what she said or what it was about. She sat there molding with her wet hands that little blob of clay that was on the wheel, shaping and molding and refashioning it into something that looked more and more perfect as her sermon went on. The thing that really stuck with me is that by the end of the entire endeavor, she then just took her fist and smashed the whole wet clay blob down to another lump of clay and left the pulpit. For a change today, we hear words from the prophet Isaiah uh, Jeremiah that are a bit more hopeful, and they involve the potter. Now yes, there is a familiar tone of judgment in what he has to say, but it's that image of a potter at the potter's wheel that sticks with me and provides its own hopeful challenge. That image of God that he evokes molding and reshaping the clay to redeem it when it's gone wrong into something new. Well, that brings hope to my life. We also hear some rather challenging words from Jesus. If you can get past the rather hyperbolic way he delivers them, his definition of true discipleship draws us to a rather stark choice in life. Following Jesus, we hear from him, involves forsaking everything, putting aside one's family and even one's possessions in order to follow him. Now that's a rather tall demand. I suspect many of us who hear these words shrink back a little on hearing it, losing some of our enthusiasm for the kingdom of God that Jesus has come to proclaim. If carrying the cross and following him to be his disciple means all that, well, it certainly means a life-altering change in one's life. Basically, as I see it, Jesus invites each of us to a new way of life, one where we're open to being remolded time and time again as needed. We must be freed from all that holds us back, unchained from the things that bind us to our past. Now, for Luke, who writes this account, I wonder what it means to carry your cross. It could mean to carry the burdens of those from whom Jesus releases other burdens, It could mean to carry the ministry of Jesus forward by seeing those whom the world overlooks. It could mean favoring and regarding the marginalized, even when doing so might lead to our own oppression. If the cross is only a means for your personal salvation, then you've missed Jesus' point. Especially since when this whole story is going on, Jesus' journey to the cross has not yet happened. Carrying the cross at this juncture has to be in the context of what has come before, not cast in the hindsight of our sense of theology or confessions or traditions. This call to discipleship is not so much acceding to a set of intellectual propositions or getting one's beliefs in order. It's all about the doing, how we live our life on a daily basis in a way that willingly embraces being transformed, reshaped, and renewed by the power of God. And that does indeed require some sacrifice on our part. In today's passage, Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God he proclaims and the kingdom life he exemplifies should be for us a priority, actually be the priority. Look at the long arc of your life and ask yourself, what is important to you? what you hope for in living that life. The abundant life and way of discipleship that Jesus both promises and announces also takes some sacrifice, not to earn God's grace, but to live into the discipleship life that grace, in fact, makes possible for us. Like many a church community coming out from under the changes brought about by COVID, we're challenged a bit, I think, to do just that. And that challenge is both personal and corporate. Each of us needs to discern anew what our calling in this life might be. Here in the present moment, we need to be willing to place ourselves in the hand of a God who will reshape, remold, and restore to use our individual gifts as his disciples. And when that is done, together as a congregation, we must discern our path forward, forsaking what has been our past in order to embrace what will come to be. Old ways of doing ministry will inevitably give way to new structures. Old leadership and volunteerism will step back, as is the current trend that I'm seeing more and more. And a new generation of leadership must arise to do the ministry we are collectively called to do. When we're able to take up our cross as Jesus bids us, only then will we know what meaningful and life-giving discipleship means. Yes, it's messy. And yes, there's a good bit of uncertainty that comes with that. But the future shape we'll take is blessed and guided by God's generous, molding hands. Amen. Amen. Let us reaffirm the faith we share, saying together the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one substance God, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the cross. We believe in one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead,
1: the life of the world.